When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Good morning, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast, SCNZ Tuesday, 30th of August, and Kempe's there in Kitty Kitty, and Louie is back from a nice wee well-earned day off yesterday, Louie team. Kempe, Louie, Morena, how are you both? Morena, brother, Morena, yep, Louie's back from the good oil. Fill Louis. up, the fill up. Fill up, the good oil. Tell us about it, brother. Come on. Oh, we heard about it. We played it on the radio yesterday. Tell us about it. One yeah, week, yeah. one on, collect. Mate. Oh, yes. A tough grind and a classic winter punting. 80% just shit. Te- 20, no, less. 90% just in the mud, <laughs> floundering around. 10%. RJ's flight. Three different horses into the last. The best result. Good oil at 16 bucks. Then Clado sees the tote price. 22s. Ah! <laughs> yeah. <Drops it> in, Bob. <laughs> nah, it was good stuff, boys. But good to be back in the Bricky Show in my rightful home. <laughs> good oh, to see you, Louis. Louis, man, I always seen them miss out on the fill-ups because Kempi was like, "Did you get on Aracena and uh, what was that one? Cherry um, Rose. Cherry, Cherry Rose. Rose. Oh no, I didn't because I was feeling sorry for myself on the couch. Oh no, did you get on that, Louis? 
Uh, yeah, I had a little multi running. I, I, I didn't have any. Um, yeah, no, I did. I had a little multi running. So yes. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. But the multi win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a small one though. Oh. Just, just two, oh. two legs. Okay. Just Curie Rose a win and Arisena a place. Ah, nice, nice. Cover yourself, cover yourself. Nice, good to have you back, Louis. And you can be up there in the beautiful Kerry, Kerry. Ooh, yes, boys. Uh, all right, talk about today's show. We've got a big one for you. US Open tennis is upon us. And this is the most anticipated open ever. Serena Williams, last US Open, is one of the GOATs, considers retirement. No, she is going to retire. Sean Gregory who wrote a beautiful piece for Times Magazine, will join us out of 7 o'clock. And I just had a read of that, and um, wow. Just really put in perspective what Serena has done for the game of tennis. And women's, women athletes, what they go through, what they have to endure during their careers. And, uh, mate, it's a great read. I, I reckon you, I say, go have a, have a read of that. Um, Sean, Sean Gregory, he's going to join us just out of 7 o'clock. And then following that, we're going to talk to New Zealand Sevens men's side as they notched up their first tournament win since 2020, beating Fiji 28-21. Someone will join us out of 7.40. Hopefully, Kurt Baker, the one and only Larrikin, will jump on um, someone's shoulders and have a chat to us and uh, talk some Sevens as they were uh, two weeks out from the Rugby uh, Sevens World Cup as well. So good form and a bit of confidence heading to that tournament and then following that eight o'clock we'll talk to tim murphy he's editor of the newsroom about the pr disaster or where it has all gone so wrong for the backroom of nzru and uh really looking forward to that conversation um a lot of fans a lot of fans are withering and um yeah, it's an interesting uh, situation that's unfolding for New Zealand rugby and where the public stands right now. Can they sell out the Hamilton Stadium? FMG there in Hamilton, we'll soon see. So look forward to chatting to him. And following that, Dan Smith from the NZTR. They have a great initiative that they are doing, and Louis might be able to shed some light on that. Uh, Dan Smith is going to join us and, and well, tell us a bit more detail of what they've got going on uh, coming up for the big spring group one carnivals coming up. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven double eight double three are our contact lines. If you want to send a text message, double eight double three or oh eight hundred one five oh eight eleven to have a chat to us. Kimberly has already come through with a me message on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Izzy Kempe, good morning. Just in the kitchen with the breakfast listening to your yesterday's show again. Last night we we rewatched Dan Carter, the perfect 10 doco. It's a good reminder of times that ABs have had knife-edge adversity in the past. They talk about the team being an umbilical cord to the nation's pride. It's worth a revisit. Have a good Tuesday. That is from Kimberly. Ooh, okay, Kimberly. We'll have to go have a re-watch re Dan Carter's doco. And, and also, I, I love watching um, Richie's doco. And... I don't know if you've you would have watched the 2011 doco when they went around the World Cup there, boys. It's uh, it's a good watch too. I usually watch that on the plane, but I will, Kimberly. Thank you so much for that message. I, yeah, very good, yeah. very good. Sorry, Kimby. <laughs> no, where you go, Louis? Jump <laughs> no, in there, brother. 
Oh, thanks, man. No, I was just going to say, yes, I have seen Chasing Great Richie's doco. And then, yeah, that's um, yeah the Perfect 10 DC. When's your movie being made, Izzy? That's what I was No, asking. no, 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 no. I don't have a movie. I don't have a movie. No, no, no. No movie for me. I'll just, uh, I've actually got to write a book soon. Um, I, I signed up with someone ages ago, and people constantly ask me when are we going to write a book. So I'll get onto that shortly because I've got a, I've got a few stories that I'd love to share and, and a few little, um, you know, personal stories that, that I've shared. I've actually, yeah, I've been thinking about it quite a lot lately because, you know, you sit here and, and everyone thinks your life's perfect and all dandy, but, mate, it's it's not. Yeah, everyone goes through little situations, and I'd love to just share some, some stories that may maybe inspire. Might might be able to help some some people that are, um, you know, going through some things in, in their time. So yeah, I'll, I'll get to it shortly, lads. But Kempi, you would have had a book. You surely got a book, mate. The amount of stories you've got, surely you've got a book. <laughs> <laughs> one for one for the coffee table. Nah, mate, no book. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the book's around timing, really. So, you know, you put put them out. I don't really want to put out just an autobiography. I'm, you know, I'm a bit like you. I want a, I want a book, a sort of working book, where people can get something more than just reading about your life story out of it, Izzy. Um, but, mate, I'll read, I'll read your book for sure. You know what I mean? I And there's definitely a movie coming out. I'm sure Netflix have been in t- touch with you, with you all, all the stories and, Ryan and Gosling, you as a character. Be, oh, mate. I can I can guarantee you'd be a best watch, Dan Carter, Dan Carter and uh, Richie McCall. They'll have nothing on, is he, Dag? <laughs> I, le- I ran in, boys. I ran in. I went from uh, I went from here yesterday up to a cafe. So I'm just cruising around, checking places out. You know, and thought oh, I'll go and have some breakfast and a coffee. And I called into a place yesterday, and he's got a couple of guys sitting down next to me. And a guy gets up. And he goes, "Oh, hey, you're the Tony Kemp, aren't you?" And he goes, "Yeah." I go, "Yeah." And he goes, "Um." Are you Izzy's uncle? <laughs> I mean, no, no, mate. <laughs> I said that's the, I said that's the nickname he gave me, and thank God he said uncle and not Koro. <laughs> he, he he goes, uncle, you crack me up. <laughs> that, that was Matthew, mate. Matthew owns a gym's lawn mowing um, business up here. He he, uh, he plugs us in every morning. Um, loves the show, and just thought he'd come over while I was having a coffee to say hello. So. I just thought that was a crack up, mate. There's everyone. So oh. there's a few people out there that think you're my nephew, mate. So I should start calling you Neff. Hey, Neff. Yeah, you're up. <laughs> call me, call me <laughs> Neff, Kimpy. Oi, honestly, I mean, so many people hit me up about that. We actually had Craig from the Bay of Billy say, stop calling him uncle. I'm like, I just like it. You're like my uncle, <laughs> yeah, mate. Nah, my favourite uncle. That just, you know, just taps me on the shoulder and just leads me in the right direction and... And uh, if anyone's yeah, going to no, be Neff, it it's, Louis, it's, it's Louis Neff. He's Neff. Neff. <laughs> well, I'm the estranged <laughs> cousin. Oh, well, it might be Joe. <laughs> Adopted. Yeah, Joe. Joe, is he yeah, but I had, a, I had a bit of country clueless yesterday too, boys. I got a uh, bit of a oh, lawnmower no. up in up in the uh, up in the garage. The garage? You call it, or do you call it a working shed? I don't know what you call it on a, on a property, but. I've been I've been looking at this thing for months, going, yep, it's a John Deere, you know, and uh, I'm going, yeah, I'm going to get on that thing, and I'm going to cruise around, mate. If you had a video yesterday of me on that thing, it would have been like an elephant in a mini, honestly, <laughs> cruising around, just mowing lawns for a couple of hours, so, um, but a nice day up here yesterday, it was uh, real good. <laughs>
We didn't have one for a while, boys. <laughs> Don't stop back, MB. You're just getting into it, mate. What do you mean? What was going on? Elephant oh, in the well, mini. The Talk me through it. The neighbours the heard, you know, like, uh, went over for tea at the neighbours again last night, and they reckon they heard me uh, heard me motoring around this this on the on this uh, lawnmower, mate. But I've been, like, like I said, just checking it out. I've been a little bit scared of things like that, you know? Like, I'm a bit clumsy, the old man. Have I told you that story when I, when I started down the freezing works? I went down the freezing works when I was 16. Straight out of school, straight to university, and uh, I walk in there, and the old man, old man, um, I didn't know it, but I just couldn't wait to get my knives. You know, you get an apron and a and a, and a set of knives, and you and you poke it up, and your gum boots. You wouldn't have been in the. You would have been in the. You got to start somewhere. You start straight in the top room, mate, mate. Well, the old man got hold of the boss, Pat, Pat Monty, <laughs> and he t- he told Pat. He said, whatever you do, don't give that boy a set of knives. He's so clumsy. Like that. So Pat looks at me and everyone, like all these boys before me, you know, like if, you're, if your dad was working on the chain, you got a job straight on your 16th birthday, you walk straight into the chain. And all the boys are walking through and they're picking up their aprons and their knives and he goes, not you, boy. You're on the broom. You get a broom? <laughs> so, so I got a broom, mate, and I had to stand over the side and just sweep up. For the day, the very first day, and uh, I still cut my hand. I still cut my hand. There was a, there was a, a, some butcher left his knife on one of the one of the um, the places where you clean it, and I was sweeping with a broom, and I accidentally hit the bloody the the sink, and the knife went to fall down the down the hole in the in the drain, and I grabbed it, mate. But the handle went in first, and I grabbed the blade. Cut all my fingers, oh. the old man, because I'm pretty sharp. The old man, the old man, I went out. He's waiting for me after week. He goes, had my hand all bandaged up. He goes, how the hell did you cut your hand on the bloody broom? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, Dad, sorry, compote, first date, off I went. But yeah, that's tractor, oh. mate. It's, uh, I, I enjoyed it actually. It was a bit. I had a bit of melody. I don't know what you call it when you got those. It's pretty vibe. They vibrate a lot, eh? Those things when you're going around. <laughs> Those tractors. So, I thought I was on a. I thought I was on a trampoline when I hopped off. I was bouncing around everywhere. Um, but yeah, if oh. you've seen it, I was just so glad there's no one with a camera here. It would have been hilarious watching me roll around on that. You crack me up, Kimpy. <laughs> Honestly, you crack me up. I don't know where you're going sometimes. You're going from the freezer works back to the tractor and then back to the broom. It's so good. I love so it. Did you cut your hand yesterday? Or what? <laughs> <laughs> nah, well, you know, my, my neighbours are, you know, he's a he's he's right into safety, you know. Make sure you've got your safety gear on. Hey, <laughs> I had a pair of gumboots. Like, a, like, you know, the warehouse $20 gumboots. Um, and just jumped on this thing in my singlet and my, my boardies, and away I went. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there, were, there was a bit of a bit of a mess out there, really. I better go out there this morning and sweep everything up. Oh, Kempi, well done, mate. Well, anyone got any footage of Kempi in Northland? You know where to send it. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on our Twitter page. Uh, a couple of texts here. Uh, James, Izzy Carter, the legacy. Uh, you tell stories like Koro Uncle, ha, 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 says James. Righto, Jimmy's up and about nice and early. And here's one for you from Richie. Morena, lads. Hope is well. Hope all is well. If you were naming the Warriors side today, which they will do this evening for this weekend, would you name a young side or potentially the side to take the field next year? I would I would name a side to take the field next year. I'd give them a well. I would have done that a few weeks ago. And I've always said that you know you you can't um, you can't 
sort of take that the, the kids need uh, NRL experience. So Volkman's, a, you know, I don't know whether he's in, injured or not, but he's one kid that's missed out on some, some massive opportunities. And us, he, I would have left in that 5-8 position because everyone's leaving. But, um, you know, this week they do get a chance to where they can, they can play some young blokes because that West Tigers game, Louis, I don't know if you saw that, but the West Tigers lost that game in the last... 20 seconds, um, if they had won that game, the Titans went out and smacked um, the Knights in the next game, then this weekend's game would have been for a wooden spoon, so now that the Tigers have lost that, they've got some breathing space, I, I would, you know, personally I would be giving a couple of young blokes a shot today, um, on Saturday night, just to, just to blood them, to say right, this is what you're in for next year 100%, I, I'd go young this is an opportunity to, to plan for next year, and and seeing what these players can do in, in their final hit out. Like, we should have done it a while ago, let's be honest. I know we're trying to... Were they trying to avoid the wooden spoon, Kempi? Uh, is that what they were trying to do? Like, stay out oh, of the, look the at, last position? Yeah, they should look, have done I, this a, it's a long always time in ago. the back of your mind. Yeah, they're... they're um, it's really similar to the 2004 season when I took over from Ando, you know. Similar position, the Stace just didn't have... The, have um, that winning capability because we weren't fit. We had, we had a really good side that year, but we just weren't fit. You know, a little bit, little bit different to what Stace is going through, but very similar in, in that you're taking it over. And we were, we were the same, mate, right up until the last um, round, fighting, fighting to stay away from that wooden spoon. And you know it, mate. All the boys, they don't want that. They don't want to be regarded as wooden spooners. So I'd say they, they breathed a deep sigh of relief when... when um, St. George kicked that goal in the last 20 seconds against West Tigers to get it. You know, they would have been thinking, oh no, next week's real tough. Sorry, keep you went a bit early there, but it just um, it got me going because it, it got me thinking about what this weekend actually means for the Warriors. They're really just playing for pride, aren't they, at the end of the day? And it's their last game, it's their last home game before hopefully there's a bit more normality next week. On the flip side of it, the All Blacks, I've noticed, have not sold out FMG Stadium. And still, I went and checked this morning, there's still tickets for sale there. At Mount Smart with Vodafone, their promotion that they ran, uh, that's going to be completely sold out. I think both stadiums were going to both sell out anyway. But obviously these teams, the All Blacks and Warriors, are under pressure for different reasons, but both under a whole lot of pressure. Which fan base do you think is most most frustrated at the moment? This week, going into this weekend when there's two home games, one in Hamilton, one at Mount Smart, which fan base, the Warriors or, and let's say New Zealand rugby slash the All Blacks, but the All Blacks in particular, which fan base is most frustrated at the moment? Um, I thought it was interesting that this Hamilton test hadn't sold out. I thought it was interesting the Christchurch test didn't sell out until late in the piece last week. It was crazy. I don't know what it's reflective of, but 0800 150 you're all Warriors. Well, there's lots of Warriors fans. There's lots of New Zealand rugby and All Blacks fans. Who's more frustrated at the moment? Is he? Kempe, you guys have a think. 21 minutes past 6 o'clock, here with Kempe's Warehouse, great savings every day. And I wonder if that's reflected into what this, these games mean this weekend. Two very different positions they find themselves in, but two very frustrated teams that need a performance. So, which fan base is most frustrated? Let us know. Come through on double eight double three or 0800 150 811. 21 minutes past 6. We'll be back with you after this.
26 minutes past 6 o'clock this morning. Trying to work out which fan base is more frustrated as the Warriors and All Blacks both have home games this weekend. We try not to line them up, but Kempi, would you have a gut read on it? Oh, you know, the All Black fans are the frustrated ones. The the Warrior fans, theirs, theirs isn't frustration. Theirs is just, you know, another year, another year to pick up and, and another roller coaster ride that they're used to. So, um, They'll be looking forward to this weekend and sold out Mount Smart Stadium. And the difference between the All Black fans and the Warriors fans is that the Warriors fans are used to it. And the All Black, All Black fans aren't. So they'll just walk away. They'll probably win on Saturday night, the Warriors, and the and the fans will go, next year, that's our year. <laughs> they'll just get back on with it. So it's all new ground here for the All Black fans. We talked about it uh, a lot yesterday, Izzy, didn't we? What's your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. He's down it. He's down exactly, mate. This is the unknown for us, you know, the fans and, and New Zealand public. Just so much uncertainty. We've just had a bit of a golden era, golden run, and we've got comfortable. And now we've been down a little bit of adversity. And the rest, uh, the reality is the rest of the world's catching up. The rest of the world is catching up, and um, we're just not as good as we used to be. And, and that's just plain, simple facts. And, um, yeah, so at the moment, ABS fans are frustrated. They're, they're frustrated for many things. Many things. Not only the results, but just how everything has been handled. How all the backroom has been run. Uh, some some decision-making uh, up in the management and, and things like that. There's been just a, a whole ton of things that have just added to this. So I'd say 100%. <laughs> Kimmy's right, mate. It's just another day for Warriors fans. This is new era. This is a new ground for AVs fans. And I just can't even believe they're in the same conversation. But, hey, the reality is that's what's happening right now. The Warriors and the All Blacks are in the same conversation. Yeah, that's right. Uh, All Blacks fans need to take a leaf out of us diehard Warriors fans and learn to laugh at themselves, says Jimmy. <laughs> oh, Jimmy. Well, it's, 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 a t- it's a tough one for them, isn't it? Because Give us a call, Jimmy. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, a, I think I think the fa- like I'm I've spoken to a couple of All Blacks fans um, over the last couple of days, and like I said yesterday, you sort of forget like how much the the All Blacks mean to the average fan yeah. in New Zealand, and you and you do if, you know if you we're talking about it every day on the radio and so on, but when you actually sit down and you're talking to them, you can you can see in their eyes like they're nearly they're in tears. You know what I mean? It means so much to them. So. Man, this is you. You've got to remember the history. They normally walk away from a stadium. A guy was talking to me last night. He said, "You know, we'd win games when we had forty percent of possession, and we play bad, and we'd still, you know, as he'd score the winning try, and we'd 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 win games." He said, "Now we're winning possession and we're losing games. It's just foreign territory." Yeah, bang on, yeah. Kempi. Tristan, you're on the line from down there in the O three AM morning, mate. Yeah, how you going? Um, yeah, all I can feel right now is the frustration. I mean, especially after that Alice Park test, I thought there might have been signs of improvement, but I did not expect to see what I did on Saturday night against Argentina. Um, yeah, I don't know what you can say, really. Like, I mean, for once, we actually had possession and didn't do anything with it. Like, yeah, I don't know where to go from here, to be honest, but um, you're starting to wonder whether we've got the cattle or... You know, they, they always say, well, the talent's there, but I don't know, is, is it actually there, or is it coaching, or, yeah, I don't know, I'm, I'm actually sort of lost the word. That's what I want to ask you, Tristan, that's what I want to ask you, just quickly before, before you go, is Saturday night's result, was it, was, it a, was it a coaching 
or how we're, the the game plan we're offering these players, or do you feel like the players got a little bit complacent? From a fan watching the game, what was your take on it? Do you feel like the game plan was there, we had enough pill, but our accuracy was was poor, or or was it a coaching error and selection error? What, what's your quick take before we let you go? Well, I think well, watching it, like the first half, when you actually watch the the first half, like particularly like when we got on the front foot, like our forward pack, like I mean the guys from one, two, and three, like they were going great guns. Like we were actually getting momentum. When we got that rolling mall try, I thought, here we go, you know, it's on. And um, and then all of a sudden, I don't know. It sort of obviously went started giving getting wrong towards the end of the first half. We started giving penalties away, and um. I think in the second half, what I noticed is a lot of it was to do with the option taking. Like, I think the classic example was when Geordie Barrett went for a penalty goal from, like, let's be honest, 60 metres out. Like, I mean, that's a, you know, you're asking a bit of altitude to go for that, but to do that at sea level in Christchurch of all places, like, I think that was a sign there to me that there's something not right about the team. Like, you know, and even at the end, um, I think we were 19, 18 down. Sam Kane went to the corner. Like, things weren't going our way at that point. I think the time then would have been to go for goal. Let's get in front. You know, that, that could have changed. And obviously what ended up happening is we obviously didn't score from there. And then eventually they got a couple more penalties and then they ended up leading by seven. But I think a lot of it's sort of the option taking, to be honest. And when we were going straight and direct with our forwards, we were actually going well. And then once we started to... It was almost as if we got bored doing that, and then we decided to go wide, and then we just it just went straight into the Argentinian hands, really. I mean, that's what they wanted us to do. We're just going sideways. You're making a hell of a lot of sense, Tristan. You're making, he is, you're isn't ma- he? You're making it. I can decision making. Mm, that, interesting, isn't it, Louis Kempi? Like that, that decision to have a crack on the halfway. Bizarre. Look, you think you, you think about it. You're like, oh yeah, Geordie's backed himself here, but your captain needs to have the overriding say and say, no, no, no. You're going to just keep on the pressure. This is a 20, you know, 20% chance, so, yeah, crazy. Yeah, pretty bizarre. Is he 27 away from 7? Let's head off and get some sports headlines with Bunnings after, Bunnings after this. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. Tristan on the Kenard's High phone line on fire, mate. Very, very good points. Five away from seven this morning. SENZ, Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. A ripping day down there in the 03. Oh, it looks gorgeous. And up at Kitty where Kempe is as well, the winterless north. No wonder it eh? will be beautiful. Uh, spring is just around the corner, boys. We're a couple of days away, and, man, the weather has been coming good. At Bunnings Trade, helping business is our trade. Let's get some sports headlines. Well, as Aroha said... Piero Cameron's got this Tall Blacks team firing on all cylinders. Now, they reckon it was a bit of a clinic last night on the North Shore. 100-72 to 72 victors over Jordan. That goes puts them 6-0 in the FIBA World Cup qualifying play. Great to see the Tall Blacks starting to turn the screws a wee. But the US Open of tennis is not far away from being right into full swing. We're into the US, the first round this morning, and you've had Medvedev, Andy Murray, advance in straight sets. 
Uh, right now, the Millman, Millman, John Millman, the Aussie, is in action across there as well. At 11am, we've got Serena Williams's last ever first round appearance. Yeah, work that one out. What a servant she has been, an incredible athlete, one of the true goats of world and international sports. So she's up at 11am. And Brody Retallick, well, he's back in the All Blacks outfit, lads. And this is what he expects this weekend. Just to play would be nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've, as I touched on, and everyone that no fires rugby has seen, it's been patchy for the last 18 months. And, you know, through injuries that I've probably almost couldn't control is very frustrating. So I'm just looking forward to getting back out there and um, wanting to play my style of rugby and, and get back on the field, really. There you go. At Bunnings Trade, we are here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. All right, Izzy Brody back in the mix. We're still, we know we've got Damien McKenzie, Anton Leonard-Brown, uh, Baz Barrett as well to get back in there. The reinforcements that are coming, can they change and make a difference? Um, they add to it. They've got a ton of experience. I think with Brody, like he's just touched on it there, like he just hasn't had enough consistent game time to be able to instill his um, game on, on the All Blacks brand and how they're trying to play things and what he brings is, is just an unorthodox an uncompromising attitude he never backs down and that's what Argentina did on the weekend, you had Marcus Grima you had uh, Pablo Matera the big locks uh, Lavanini, just big boys just absolutely bullying and dominating the collision era and that's where Brody really comes into his his fold so if he gets an opportunity on the weekend I really want to see him just bring a bread of niggle man we just we just didn't have any sort of niggle out there so for him just needs to get some consistent game time and just find his thing and look there is like um they do add what well, Anton and and Damien and um, Brody do add because they've got a ton of experience but I think it's more collective than that they've just got to find a bit of unity about how they're going about things at the moment they're a bit individual Yeah fair enough mate is there anyone else in the Kempe that you could see that could make a difference in that collision area? Uh, <coughs> no I think I think Izzy's hit the nail on the head I think it's individuals and attitude you know when the, I think you've got to be a bit smarter in and around changing a re- up your um, your attack to suit the team that you play that you're playing against. Like you don't. One thing I don't want to see this week is if they compress like they did last week and try and take them on just man on man. Then that's going to play right into David Kidwell's defensive pattern. So just move them around and, and use your skill. One thing Kiwi's gotten bucket loads over most nations is that we are naturally gifted. Like we can play footy, and if we can express that then I think that's the key for Joe Smith. Yeah, one thing I noticed on the weekend, Kempe, is they kept trying to um, get on their feet and spread. Get on their feet and spread. So this week, I'd love to see the forwards just really getting in there, pick and going. Getting in there, just really getting some quick ball around that ruck, pick and going. So they can't spread. They're going to have to compress, and that'll allow time for the backs to get going on the outside. At the moment, we weren't going through them. We were trying to go around them, and it was just too easy to defend. So... They've got to get the quick ball, get the mm. ruck sort of first. They've got to win the breakdown because they they got a few jackals there. But then commit them by just having little dabs around that ruck and having little goes there and that'll compress them and then we can play our game. 
Yeah, you, you know, as he, you're talking about the fans being frustrated and, and you know, there's a lot of anxiety around whether, whether or not we're winning or losing. What people forget is that players, they, they become the same thing as well. Like, they get frustrated, they get anxious because it's not going to the way that they want it to go. And then all of a sudden you're frightened to do things. You're frightened to trust the, the, the reason why it got you into that all-black jersey. And your expression, because you're at the top of your game goes out the back door because now everyone's looking at you, their eyes are burning holes in you and you don't want to be that player that makes the errors. So it's a um, it's a tough one, but they've got to get that expression back out of them. You know, we can still play footy, we just can't stay back in that shell and, and not play football. We have to start playing. It's a good point, Kempe, but you would have thought that that uh, victory over in Australia, uh, South Africa would have put confidence back into the squad and then having Foster reinstated, well, confirmed as head coach, you would have hoped that they could have gone into that weekend with that expression and confidence you're talking about. Uh, interesting that they got completely done as far as energy and just intensity. I thought that was really interesting that they couldn't get themselves up for it when they really needed it. Like, I hope it wasn't complacency. Richie says Warriors not frustrated as it's the norm with them. All Blacks, I'm actually past being frustrated with them due to all of the on and off field goings on of the past year. Yeah, Richie, I think you're probably not on your own there. Right, Quizzy Dag is coming right up. And boys, the draw for our Willamette travel trip to the Goldie 500 is happening on Monday, which means we have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four quizzes to get somebody else in the draw. Four chance. That's all you need. You win the quiz, you go in the draw, and you got a you got a shot just like everyone else. So come see the quiz master. 0800-150-811. Kinatai phone line is there. Four quizzes. That's all we've got left. Give us a call. 18 away from seven. Questions on your radio Giving you the chance to head to the Gold Coast Five questions for the win Supercars on the line 0800-150-811 You're mine it's Quizzy Dag, give it a go. It's Quizzy Dag, now don't you choke. It's Quizzy Dag, who knows the most. It's Quizzy Dag, we're going to the go-go. Six days, six days, someone will win the draw and head to the Gold Coast with Kempi and myself and I think Louis going to go too, so yeah. Might as well take the whole team, eh? So take us with you if you win it. The only way you can win it, win Quizzy Dad, go on the draw. Come on, don't be shy. Tristan, give yourself, give it a crack, brother. Give us a call. I'll chuck you straight to the top, promise. Here we go. <laughs> Question number one for Richie from Upper Heart. Morning, Richie. Morning, Izzy. All right, brother. Good luck. 
Which team selected Colin de Gronholm, naughty, naughty boy, in the BBL draft? For LA Stars. LA what? Adelaide Strikers. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Here we go. Question number two. The All Black Sevens beat Fiji in the final of the World Series yesterday. Which city was the tournament played in? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. Correct. Question number three. How many FedEx Cup championships has Rory McIlroy now won? One. No. Not one. Sorry, Richie. Have a good day, mate. Mark from Tauranga. Marky Mark. He's a man of his word, this fella. He's a man of his word, mate. North Canterbury. You wish you were us. You ain't us. (laughs) Pop down, Louie. Jeez. Pop down, Louie. Here we go, Marky. Good luck. How many FedEx Cup Cup championships has Rory McIlroy now won? Uh, I think it's three. Three is correct. Three is correct. He's got paid. Wow, he don't even need to go to LOV. He hates it. Question number four. Which tennis legend is the centre court named after at the Flushing Meadows tournament? Uh, oh, shivers. Um, can I have a clue, Kempi? I do... No, but I yep, just, um, he sits at the round ta- the fiery round table. Oh, it's not happening. The, the female, is it the Billie Jean King? Billie Jean King? No. Is the, he, no. He's, oh, he sits. Hey, but the, yeah. it's not a bad guess it's, it's, because it's... A bad, that's a good guess. Yeah. There's that, one after her, eh? Yeah, well, that's the tennis centre. It's the Billie Jean King tennis centre, but the centre court is after somebody in particular. Who sits at the round table? Oh, Mark's moved on, isn't uh, he? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I, thought, you, nah, I thought you'd cut me out. No, no, you get another guess. Let's give him another guess. Another guess. Yeah. Arthur Ashe. <laughs> oh, yeah, Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe is correct. Marky Mark, question number five. To go on the draw, Mark. Who leads the NRL in assists this season? Good luck. Yeah, I've got no idea on that one. Am I allowed to call on that one? <laughs> yeah, no, Absolutely no not. <laughs> Great little trouble. No, I'd so, love to, Marky. Uh, no idea. No idea. Thanks, Larry. Oh. who cares? <laughs> <laughs> See you later, Marky. <laughs> Brenton from Auckland. Brenton. Yeah, hey, brother. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I'm good. Who leads the NRL and assists this season? Think. Can I get a clue, Kempi? But I think it's Mitchell Moses. I remember there you watching go. the game and we were talking about it. Yeah. Don't need a clue, Brent. Well done, mate. But honestly, if you're going, if you're going, who are you taking? Taking Kempi. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. <laughs> you know it, brother. What? Not, not me. <laughs> <laughs> not me. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll be laughing all the we'll be laughing all the time, brother. Don't worry. I got a thousand stories for you. <laughs> So good. Brenton, he's a league through and through. Never forgets his roots. Para! Hey, para! Come on, Oh, that was so good. (laughs) Mitchell Moses and Brenton for his troubles. A $50 TAB bonus bet as well. Love it. Six away from seven. We'll be back with a couple of your texts for the end of the hour. Then we're going to talk some tennis. Speaking of Arthur Ashe, well, Serena Williams, her last US Open, and the man who wrote the Time magazine cover piece, joins the show after seven o'clock. Great get. Looking forward to that. Six away from seven. Okay, we are coming up to 7am this morning. Here's one for you. Is he'd been re-watching the All or Nothing All Black edition. All I keep hearing is express yourself. Do you think our boys are doing that right now or are they hiding in a systematic shield being a little hesitation, showing little hesitation? Uh, I'll, I actually think they're second-guessing themselves because, mate, they are getting crucified. And everything. I've been in that situation when you're under pressure and you're afraid of making mistakes or you're afraid of doing things outside of the norm because of what's happening in, in, the, in the public, in particular in the media. media. So uh, I hope not, but from the outside looking in, it looks like they are. So, yeah, hopefully they can just find some sort of confidence, man, and, and find something and just really believe and back themselves because at the moment nothing's quite going right. And then, yeah, it's, and what we've seen is not the result we're after. Anyway, Sean Gregory. Coming up after 7 o'clock, we're going to talk some US Open tennis. Serena Williams, the GOAT. He just wrote a beautiful piece for her at the Times Magazine. You know, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. This is Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Good morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SCNZ Tuesday, the 30th of August. It's just after 7 o'clock here on this beautiful day in Ōtutahi Christchurch. I must say, bluebird, frosty morning, and oh, it's going to be a cracker. Can't wait to rip in later. But we've got a big couple of hours ahead of us. Got Kurt Baker shortly, but before then, we're going to talk some tennis. It's the staple of the sporting calendar, a trip to Queens, New York for the US Open. It's the last tennis major of the year. Not only does it feature sweltering heat annually, but storylines we don't forget. Many throughout the years, the product of a goat, Serena Williams. As the tournament gets underway this morning, all eyes will be on Serena's first-round match at 11am, as it'll be her last first-round match, no matter what the result is. 
Her groundbreaking and record-setting career is coming to a close at the venue where she has done it all. Sean Gregory is a senior sports correspondent for Times Magazine and had the honour of writing the cover story which had just dropped on Serena Williams and what she has given to the sport. And he's with us on the line now. We're very appreciative of you joining us, Sean. Thank you so much, mate. How are you? Thanks for joining good, us. Good, good. Good. Thanks for having me. Excited. It's my first uh, New Zealand appearance, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Oh, no. We're, we're very grateful, mate. I, I read that article you wrote in the Times magazine. It was a very uh, inspiring and uh, informative piece that you've written. Uh, for you, writing that and sitting there in the hotel, just having a real, were you kind of in awe and, and the enormity of what you've, you've heard and and does it put into perspective what women athletes really go through to to play the sport and be, and be athletes? Yeah, no, um, definitely she puts everything in perspective well. Um, she is very honest about what I loved about the interview was her kind of being honest what she thought her legacy was. And, you know, a lot of athletes – when they get to their end of their career kind of go to the kind of default uh answer of you know we'll let history be the judge of how i change things and kind of demure and kind of back away from talk about them being the greatest of all time or changing the game but she took it straight on and if you read her quote she's basically yeah i brought confidence to people i i showed things you know i did things that never could be done before i me and my sister took over a sport and if you want to call me the greatest athlete of all time basically go right ahead and and you know when i asked her you know naomi osaka had said that sarita leaves is the is the greatest athlete of all time male female bar none and i asked serena williams that do you agree with that and she she didn't say like she didn't agree wholeheartedly but she also didn't like back away she made the point that listen like no one's ever won a major championship while nine weeks pregnant. And that's what she did back in 2017 at the Australian Open. And she's like, so you could come to your conclusion, which was a great line. Like you, we can debate all day who the greatest athlete of all time in any sport is all over the world. And we may not agree, but I love that Serena Williams, you know, made her case. And, and so I was really appreciative of that. And we had, I've done a bunch of interviews with her before. So I wouldn't say I was in awe, but, but I do appreciate the enormity of the moment, grateful that she spent some time with us. And, you know, while I was in the hotel room with her, just, you know, kind of can't believing that she's, you know, being honest and this is it. You know, I've, I've interviewed her. My first interview with her was like 15 years ago. So, um, and to just see her keep playing throughout these years has been unbelievable. Something most people never would have bet on that she would have this long a career. Hey, Sean, do you, do you feel like Serena's at peace with her decision to move on from the game? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. It is interesting. She did let on that one worry she has is that she already feels like her game is getting better, you know, because she's been, you know, the last year has been really tough. She had a hamstring injury. She's dealing with all this stuff, recovery, and she hasn't played much and she hasn't played well. And she made the point, like, even if I don't win in this U.S. Open, I'm feeling like my game's uh, making progress. So I think she's worried about come like December when for the last 25, 26 years, it's like, okay, I've gone to Australia, right? Like, it's, it's, I'm getting ready for the Australian Open. I think she's a little worried that come December, when that, you know, option isn't available to her, she's going to kind of have some regrets. 
Um, so, and then I asked her, well, is there a chance you'd go to Australia? She's like, no way. You know, like, so you never know with athletes, you never, never know, but she seems pretty final. She has an investment company that's doing well. And most of all, she wants to expand her family and spend more time with her family and her current daughter and her current daughter, Olympia really wants a sibling, a sister specifically. And, and so she seems pretty dedicated to trying to make that happen. And that, you know, that's a huge and, and part, part of the point of, of her essay in Vogue and what she said in our story was that, you know, men don't have to make that decision in their 40s. They can keep playing where women, if they want to have another child, she did it once and somehow made it back. And she's just, you know, d- doesn't want to do that again, which is totally, totally understand understandable. Um, it's just one of those situations. Uh, you, you just really put into perspective what uh, women athletes have to go through you know what women athletes have to go through their bodies changing and and, you know going through pregnancies hormones emotions everything and then just hearing that story of her playing nine weeks pregnant and winning a major that is astounding so for you what would be her most impressive moment in her such coveted career like what ones really sticks out for you that, that stands out for me for sure. Another one that stands out because I was there, I was at a lot of her U.S. Open victories, but the one that stands out was in 2012 at the at the London Olympics. Um, she had just won Wimbledon, which was her first Grand Slam in two years. So she was just kind of starting this revival under uh, her her coach Patrick um, from France, Martiglo, who who doesn't coach her anymore, but she kind of once they connected, they kind of had a bit of Serena's career had a bit of a revival as far as winning ten Grand Slams after the age of thirty. But anyway, 2012 at the London Olympics, she crushed Maria Sharapova at center court in the gold medal match. I mean, you know, totally crushed her. At the time, there was this rivalry between the two of them. Um, you know, Sharapova was always kind of a threat to Serena's supremacy and. It was almost like a statement of like, I'm not going anywhere and this is what you're going to have to deal with. And she kept winning Grand Slams from 2012 to 2017. She won 10 more Grand Slams, which is unbelievable and really cemented her status, I think, as the greatest, um, you know, female tennis player of all time, greatest female athlete of all time and arguably the, you know, the greatest athlete of all time, too. Hey, Sean, and when you're talking to people, like you're writing your story and you're out there just talking to you know the the people about Serena, how do they all hold her? Um, like just the normal people that you're talking to, but also the athletes. Mm-hmm. What sort of what sort of place do they hold Serena in? They really revere her. I mean, with all honesty, I spoke to I've spoken to a lot of fans over the years. Who I remember at the U.S. Open when she was going for the Grand Slam in 2015. She had won the first three majors of the year, and she got upset in the semifinals um, of that of that tournament, 2015. So she didn't complete the calendar year Grand Slam. But at that tournament, there were people. For, I remember from like Montana and Wyoming, all these states in the U.S., different countries around the world, who just came to New York City to to see Serena, be around Serena in this moment. Um, you know, I think she's. When you you talk to people about her, athletes and everyday people, it's it's the inspiration. It's an overused word, but it's really, really real here. Um, she has done a lot of great things under adverse circumstances. She, you know, had 
you know, two embolisms, pulmonary embolisms, life-threatening embolisms in, in her life back in 2011 and, and during her delivery of Olympia, her daughter, in 2017, and she recovered from both of those traumatic events. Um, you know, she's been vilified at times. She, you know, at the U.S. Open, it's interesting, her last tournaments at the U.S. Open, she's had some tough moments at the U.S. Open. She's been upset in semifinals. She's lost in finals that people thought she would have won. She had that incident with Naomi Osaka where she had an outburst at an umpire. In 2009, she threatened a lines a lines judge and got fined. And so there were times where she was down. And 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 during those, after those, uh, you know, kind of down times, she bounced back. So I think that relates to a lot of people. And, yeah, and coming in and doing something in a sport where she was not welcome. Her and her sister were not welcome. Uh, no one had ever seen two two black sisters from Compton, California kind of crashed the gates of tennis and they got a lot of resistance and they just played through it. And I think that that really connects with a lot of people as well. So what's our realistic chances? What's her realistic chances? <laughs> Can she go deep into the slam or even win it? It's a, you know, somebody made this, I was thinking about this the other day and somebody else made this point. I covered the U S open in 2005. It was Andre Agassi's final open. You know, not as much of a United States legend as maybe Serena Williams, but 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 a, a guy who kind of had some tough times in his career and played longer than people expected. And so he had this great run in his final open. He got to the final and then Roger Federer kind of really bounced him. I can I don't think she's going to win. I think that the there's so many good players out there and they're going to be up for Serena Williams. They're going to want to. You know, I think there's mixed feelings. You probably don't want to be the person who ends her tennis career, but you kind of do at the same time um, because you want to advance and, and get your own name out there. So I wouldn't bet for a win, but I would not be shocked at all if she makes it into the second week and gives gives the fans some excitement for sure. And, and that's not to say and that and that's not to say she might not lose. At 11 a.m. your time. It's totally possible as well. <laughs> you know, like you she never goes, know. She goes on I wouldn't be shocked. She goes on and wins it, Sean. I'm on it. Hey, Sean, I just want to go back to you mentioning, um, you know, two coloured girls from Compton smashing down the gates of tennis. Does Serena, post her tennis career, have a a place to play in that uh, sector where she's encouraging, I guess, those kids from Compton or, or places like that to really come out and believe in their dreams? Does she does she speak about that type of um future for sure i mean i think she's less like i think her she's gonna have a she's gonna have tennis is gonna be part of her life and i think her main focus is family and as a businesswoman but but she, you know she has a, a non-profit out in california in her hometown of compton that you know raises money to help communities and yeah i think she's going to and you're seeing this already you've seen a long line of African-American players on the women's side, um, Coco Goff, Sloane Stevens, Madison Keys, like a new generation that has followed in her and Venus's uh, uh, footsteps. And I think she's going to encourage that and try to keep that, um, you know, that that flow of players growing and, and players who, yeah, didn't used to have access to tennis, who now can have access to tennis and, and have have great careers as well. So I think that's going to be a mission for her too. I don't know if you know, Sean, but Coco Golf is coming down down under to New Zealand to headline 
the ESP Classic Tennis Open, mate. You might have to come on down and do a, write a little piece for her on the Time magazine, eh? Yeah, no, that's at the beginning of next year, correct? It's early? Yes, yes, it is. It is. We're very excited to have her here. Hey, quickly, just on the other side, the men's side of the draw, the Novak situation has been well documented again, which leaves the door open. Who are you tipping? I mean, can you? I think there's this huge sentimental feeling for Nadal. Um, but, you know, Medvedev has looked strong. He looked strong last year. You know, Djokovic got to that. Another, you know, we another thing we thought we'd see was this grand slam that Djokovic was going to have last year, and then Medvedev just kind of, kind of kicked his butt. So I, I would, I, I like those two, to 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 kind of to to, to one of those two to to wind up on top. Beautiful, mate. We appreciate you coming on, Sean, and just uh, well done on a beautiful piece you wrote for Time Magazine, and uh, all the best. Thank you so much. Enjoy, Thanks and uh, hopefully Serena can finish her US career on the right side of ledger appreciate it mate yeah, it'd, be, it'd be nice to see a few matches get uh go in the second week but thanks to both of you and have a great day thanks for everything thanks sean sean gregory out of the u.s mate very good conversation here and gavin reed gavin is awesome read there on the time magazine just um talking about her life and a bit more the impact she had on tennis Kempi, like just if you think about it off the court her impact for young black athletes growing up in America, just giving them hope and aspiring to be Serena and Venus. And, the, and think about that. If you've watched King Richard, actually Venus was the was a superstar growing up, eh? Venus was yeah. the, the, the better, better tennis player and, and probably from a parent's point of view was going to have a more stellar career. But no, Serena just fought in 22 grand slams later. Wow. How's that, how's that for backyard game of tennis? Serena, <laughs> Serena versus Venus growing up and then, you know, watching their careers. I, I, I love that story. I love that story and, and all the stuff that you don't hear about it, you know, getting that in, into that magazine, that Time magazine, what a what a achievement in itself. But, um, yeah, mate, loved watching both of those people play and even though she's still playing, you know, like she could have she could have thrown the game away a long time ago. She's got plenty of plenty of dosh. Um but just that competitive nature of Serena Williams is second to none. Awesome get there, Louis. Was that you? No, it's actually Joseph. Louis Joseph oh, Manu Joe. out the back in the kitchen. Joe. He's, on, he's, Joe. he's on fire. He's two from. He's t- on fire this week, Joseph. Yeah, we Joseph. Oh, he's he's on fire. That, it's a great get because uh, Sean. He's not just like a very well-regarded sports journalist. He literally has the Time Magazine cover. You know, Time mm. Magazine, one of the world's most coveted publications, the f- big cover of Serena Williams, that's how much she means to America. She's one of the most influential people over there, and uh, he had that. Hey, Kempe, you want to know what she's paying? Yes, of course you do. 41s. <laughs> Same as Just Ask Me in the Living Mall, mate. 41s. Till your nose bleeds, boys. Till your nose bleeds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's, she's on her way to become the first female black billionaire, athlete billionaire. Apparently pretty close, eh? Whoa. That? That is, that's crazy. Um, yeah. No, it doesn't really surprise me, though, because A, of her winnings, but it's, as uh, Sean said, it's her stuff off the court and what she's been able to do with her funds and that sort of thing over the last few while. On the men's side of the draw, just looking at the odds, Rafael Nadal, $4.50. Carlos Alcaraz, he is $5. Nick Kyrgios is third favourite at $10. Um 
It was just crazy that I'm just trying to find Medvedev in here after he's just won. I can't see that. That must be a mistake. There's got to be Medvedev somewhere there. Um, but, yeah, so straight away, Rafael Nadal has a chance to get a split on Novak Djokovic because of the vaccine, uh, vaccination policy of the US Open, which is really, really interesting. 21 minutes, or in, in America, I should say, 21 minutes past 7 o'clock here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. If you want to come through on double eight double three and get in touch about Serena Williams, what she has meant to you. Some person, somebody's come through here. She'll go down for wrecking Naomi Osaka's first Grand Slam. Never the same. Look, a lot of people will feel that way. What do you make of it? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred, one five zero, eight eleven. Kempi will be off the back fence after this. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Yes, what a difference a week can make in sport, and even more so if this week is your final week in competition. While the All Blacks look to restore some mana in their black jersey, the Warriors return home to Aotearoa for their final game of the season up against the Gold Coast Titans. You wouldn't believe it, but a win would give the Warriors a better home record on home soil than the All Blacks this year. (laughs) I can't believe it. I would also help erase the season from hell where a promising start of a 38 drubbing of Melbourne in pre-season promised so much but delivered so little. One thing I know for sure, the season can't come to an end quick enough for the hapless Warriors. However, a win this Saturday night will give more ammunition to an angry all-black supporter mob looking for any excuse to compare New Zealand's best team with arguably our worst. Will the Warriors get a win? Maybe for the all-black's sake, this is the one time they hope they don't. Whatever happens... Let's remember that there's always next year. When it comes around, we will all be saying once again, this is our year. Let's go! Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. <laughs> oh, that was so nice, Kempy. Oh, you're right. <laughs> oh, just said you know oh. about the fans, mate. The Warriors fans, they'll come back next year. Harder, faith, faster, Kimpy. bigger, stronger, oh. faithfuler. <laughs> you're faith. You're faithful. Uh, Kimpy, so oh, faithful. No, no, I love it. <laughs> love it, Kimpy. Look, honestly, yeah. Look, I hope they do um, pick some. You know, some of the younger guys have cracked this weekend for the Warriors. Um, but you saying they could have a better record at home than All Blacks? Wow, it's crazy to even think about it. But um, mate, yep, they'll stay faithful and and they'll come back and. Have another season and make for easy radio. In it, yeah. Geez, you wouldn't want them to go into next year with a better home record than the All Blacks, would you? Mm. Um, <laughs> well, how many games have we got? We've got Argentina and we've got All Blacks uh, in Auckland. So there's two tests this year, isn't there? Yes, correct. Yeah. So how many games are the, so they've won two here? If they won three, then it could be a draw. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Crazy How's that for a stat? It. That's a pub quiz, mate. It's a pub quiz from 2023. Who won the most games in 2022? The All Blacks or the Warriors? That's a trick question. But it is a trick question, uh, boys. Hey, what about Reese Walsh's last game as a Warrior this weekend? Um, if you, mate, this is probably a question for another day. But Reese Walsh's involvement and time with the Warriors been an enjoyable one, Kempi? Oh. Uh, I think for his, I think you know for 
for his development, you know, you got to remember that they pulled him out of our second grade in, in Brisbane to give him a shot for the Warriors. So he's got a lot to thank the Warriors for. Um, even more so that you know they went to to uh, to Marty Martin to take him over to fill the fullback spot for Brisbane. So you know. He, uh, you could argue that he probably still would be languishing in reserve grade um, as opposed to going back to Brisbane on a on a on a multi year deal in in a better place than, than than when he was when the Warriors first spotted him. So I think he'll have a soft spot for for the Warriors. He's learnt definitely a lot this year, um, Louis. He's nowhere near the player he was last year. Um, but in saying that the kid, I think, still has a pretty big future. What about you, double eight, double three Warriors fans? The relationship with the team, the club, and also Reese Walsh this year come through on double eight, double three. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight. Liam would love to hear from you on the Ken Artire phone line. Some sports headlines after this, and then we'll get to Kurt Baker as his old mate before the end of <laughs> the hour. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Twenty-seven minutes away from eight AM this morning. Uh, Izzy can keep you for breakfast. Plenty going on for the rest of the hour. There's a really good text on the Warriors here, Kempi, that we have to get to, and we got a caller on the Kenartire phone line as well. But very quickly, Gull is fueling your mission all year round. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Visit gull.nz. Let's get some sports headlines. And yeah, Medvedev forty reason might not be in the market at tab.co.nz. For the US Open, but he is flowing through his uh, first round matchup. Of course, he is the defending champion, and upon his arrival to the US Open, he was clinical. Straight sets victory over Stefan Kozlov, the American 6 2, 6 4, 6 0. At Arthur Ashe Stadium at Flushing Meadows. Uh, Izzy, you referenced him earlier on. Colin de Gronholm, naughty boy. Wow. The Adelaide Strikers are convinced he is going to be able to play because, well, their understanding, if you entered the draft, you are available to play. So the cloud around Colin... Yeah, go figure. The cloud, What's going to happen there? <laughs> oh, this is a super interesting one to play out because New Zealand cricket haven't given him a release from his NZC contract. It looks like that's probably where it's heading. He's not... Well, he's actually just been put back into the test side and he's actually played a wee bit over the last year after a little bit of a layoff. So really interesting story to follow throughout the day. What happens with Colin de Gronholm and the Adelaide Strikers? But Kempe, you knew that you were going to get this man calling through. It's Joe from Gizzy. I'll let you guys bro it out. <laughs> what you got there, Joe? Mate. If 2023 cannot be better than 2022, you and me are going to have some words up in that studio, eh? <laughs> so what's going to happen? We need... <clears throat> we've been talking about this all year. You and I on the same page. We need a strategy. We need a structure, right? Three, five years, right? And we need stability. Now, we've got a few good boys coming. You and I agree that, Right? I don't know why Nick was crying his eyes out after they stiffed him when Savage, when he got injured, and then Savage came in and Ricky wouldn't replay him. So, never mind crying about that. Let's come home, okay? Come on, let's get that. That team's going to be hard to fit. You know, Tamari Martin, fullback. Clockstead, fullback. You know, it's going to be hard to put a lot of players into the same positions. So, I think 
you and I, Kempe, need to sit down and discuss what our better halves is going to be, what our better centres are going to be, mm. because a couple of our centres have come on in the last few few games. It might not look like it to a lot of others, but they have. So we, we, I think we've got a good back structure. Now Reese is leaving. You can't tackle Reese. I can't catch a high ball, Reese. But I think with a few forwards coming, with Cody coming, okay, right, with our man from Parramatta coming, he'll set up, he'll set up one edge. Unfortunately, we're losing our, our great man Kator. So I just think we need an, we need an engine. Who we need some guys who can go eighty, right? And then we need a front row interchange. Bunty, he's off. You know, we need some guys who can come on and not play twenty two minutes. Imagine getting paid nine hundred grand and playing forty four minutes a week. It's like Izzy, you know. You know, getting paid stupid money to do like three hours a day's work and then go play golf. But what we need is boys. Oh, he's the best, uh, Joe. One of the Joe, Joe, don't you come on here and throw that chat at me? But no, some some very good points there, valid points. The centre role, I was just having a little think there, mm. Kimpy, about Tamari Martin, and you play Clockstagger at the fullback. Could you chuck in Tamari Martin? He looks like a hiku to me, someone that's got great feet defensively. Uh, you know, just the untouched kind of area. No, he goes straight. He goes straight to six. You chuck him at six. Tomorrow, Martin goes straight to six. He was a Kiwi standoff um, before he had that head injury and came back to New Zealand. I know he's playing fullback at the moment, but he'll fit straight back into the spine, mate. Um, I, st- I still think there'll be a little bit of water to go under the bridge. I don't know whether Sean will run around again next year. Um, you know, it's been a pretty tough year for him this year. Uh, Nakori coming over from Parramatta, whether or not they t- turn him into a middle player and take him off the edge because we're lacking middle players. And, and, of course, Nickel Clockstead will play fullback. So uh, I agree with him around. Valia's played pretty well in the centres the last couple of weeks. And it's it's looking okay, but you're not going to know until pre-season. Yeah. And pre-season, fitness. There's a message there on, on, the, on the text machine about fitness questioning that they just can't compete. They can't compete. They're good for about 30, 30 to 35 minutes, and then they just gas out. So... Is that a fair summation of where the Warriors are at at the moment? It's all, I reckon it's always been a question mark of the Warriors is, is their fitness. And you, you've touched on the most successful years. Mm. You were fit. You were really fit. Yeah. You just went out there and you just thrashed them every single day. Yeah, I'll, I'll answer that really quick before we head to a break. Um, what they need is they need the season to be over. Just like I think half a dozen teams at the moment, they made their run really early and they've all run out of energy I think they can get fit they just you know being back in New Zealand I would Izzy I'd take that that um, point and I'd really get them fit in the off season they've got 14 weeks to get ready for the pre-season Outstanding Kempe good question there Izzy and thank you for texting on double eight double three. love it Joe from Gizzy on the Kennard's higher phone line we're 21 away from 8 any more thoughts on the Warriors I'm going farming after this Joe yeah farming after this mate yeah it's hard Joe right Hard three hours, mate. You tell it, my wife. It's hard. <laughs> hard, Joe. 21 away from eight. We'll get... Farming. They don't call far golfing farming, is he? Hey. Yeah, farming when I'm looking for the ball in the farm. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Don't mind that. Uh, Kurt Baker, New Zealand Seven star. 50 tournaments. 50 not out for Kurt Baker, and they won in his 50th. He's coming up after this. Uh, he was in the pool, so he should be nice and recovered and enjoying a day in Los Angeles. Izzy will be looking forward to this. Kurt Baker coming up. Listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 50 not out in that world-famous photo when he gets up on someone's shoulders. Snarky. 
Well, he's just got out of the pool, so hopefully he's got some kit on. The All Black Sevens lads got up yesterday at the Los Angeles event. And an absolute classic with old foe Fiji in the final. It was a perfect way to celebrate. Crack! The Kurt Baker's 50th event. And KB is on the line right now. Kurtie boy, congratulations. How are you, mate? Good, good. Yeah, good, thanks. It was, um, yeah, good, good weekend. Good to come away with a win. Got the win, mate. You got the job done, and you got, well, the world-famous photo out again, mate. It's been a long time between drinks, so good to get that snapshot at the end of it. Yeah, it was good to get the hoodie off the back, eh? It was, um, yeah, you're right. It has been a long time between drinks, so you don't want to um, lose your rep too quickly, eh? Hey Kurt, do you, where does it, where does this win rate in the um, in the fifty that you've played? Does it is it right up there? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I know sometimes you get caught up in the moment of you, you know when you've just won, you, you think they're all the best wins you've ever had. Um, but even today, the more I think about it, just just probably the year I've had, I haven't really played a lot of sevens. Um, I was stranded on forty nine for a while, so um, yeah, it probably just panned out how you'd, you know, probably dream it panned out. Um, and even just from a team perspective, the way, um, you know, we, we had to beat some pretty good teams on the way to beating Fiji. It wasn't just, just Fiji. Um, you know, South Africa were going into the weekend leading the World Series, so tipped them up on day one. And then, obviously, that game against Samoa in the, in the semi. So, um, yeah, there were parts of our actual rugby which which were pretty, pretty exciting too. So, um, yeah, so... I suppose from a personal perspective, yeah, it was special, but I think from a team perspective, it was special for us as well. Yeah, 2020, mate, was the last time you, you, you got your last title. Obviously, COVID and, and things like that, but it's, it's been a long time between drinks. But this, what does this do for the group? You know, the, the confidence and the belief it instills, and Chris Laidlaw spoke about it, but you're two weeks out from the World Cup, mate, so you guys are, are pretty confident that you can head over there and get the job done? Yeah, well, you know, we've got a different group to probably what we had in, in 2020. So, um, mm. you know, we've got a lot of newer guys. We always say young, but they're actually not that young. So we've got a lot of newer guys that haven't played a lot of tournaments. So for them to um, know what winning feels like, um, two weeks out from a World Cup and arguably the, the most rugby-mad country in the world, um, <laughs> I think it's really important. And, um, you know, obviously it's a knockout tournament, so you lose when you're done. Um, so I think this weekend was probably a good dress rehearsal for it. Yeah, some good form taken in, into uh, into your World Cup. Where, where do the does the team rate and the players that you're playing with at the moment over your career? This current crop. Um, to be honest, I'd never really compare different teams that I've um, been involved in because there's always you know different pros and cons to every team, I suppose. Um, we're, we're probably a new, young, exciting team is, is how I'd explain our team now. Um, we play a lot of, probably, well, we have played a lot of carefree sort of sevens of late, but um, I think we're starting to click um, around the way we want to play the game and, and we think what works for us. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'd compare them to, to other teams because you now other teams mm. have been involved in have won World Cups and Commonwealth Games, I think, so it's probably hard to compare, really. What about the life of a sevens player, Kurt? I know you've you've been around for a long time. You've been in a whole different setup, you know, with with different coaches, different players, legends of the game. But tell us about the life of a sevens player now. Like it's full time, isn't it? 
Yeah, so we live in the Mount, or Mount Monganui, well, Tauranga, um, full time, so we're based there, so I suppose we're sort of what Super Rugby does, we, we, we centralise to one place. Um, so lifestyle-wise, it's pretty good. We, we live at the beach, we train in the sun you know, nine months of the year, so it's a full-time, full-time gig, which I think is bloody awesome, and I, I really think it's, it's got huge development potential for, for New Zealand rugby, and look at the players that have come through sevens obviously you you came through it Izzy and um, I think it teaches you the fundamentals of just being a successful sportsman not just a um, rugby player It's bloody tough It's bloody tough back in the 08 when I was playing with uh, Gordon Titchens he used to run all day and make me run around the mountain at the end of the day so different range so what's it like these days because everyone asks the question about sevens training it was so you know Hard and, and difficult. It was it was tiring. So what do you do now these days to stay fit? What's a, a normal training week like for the sevens boys? I don't know. Like it's funny. Sometimes we feel like, well, I've been in both regimes, and I think it's just really different styles as how you'd explain it. Um, we we're sort of day on day off, um, but our day ons are, are pretty full on days, and um, the numbers that boys put out on GPS um, on those days is, is pretty freakish, but. I'd like to think maybe back in the day with Titch, it, was, it probably would have been the same, but I don't even know if GPS existed then. So um, it's probably, I don't know if it's a good <laughs> no, or a bad thing. <laughs> it might have been a, might have been a bad thing because it could have, could have saved us a few um, kilometres. <laughs> yeah, he liked, he liked to flog hard. people, didn't he, old Titch? Hey, what about 2024, mate? You, are you going to still be around the Olympics Paris? Is that is that on your, on your radar? I hope so, mate. Um... I haven't looked too far past this year. I'm off contract at the end of the year, so um, in a bit of an interesting spot. But I feel like my my body and my mind are still in it, so um, there's no reason for me to think think otherwise at this stage. So yeah, like I'll, I'll be pushing as hard as I possibly can to to get there. And if, if I'm not the right person for it, then so be it. But um, yeah, at the moment I'm I'm really motivated to continue performing in this in this environment. Oh, mate, love it. Kurt Baker, New Zealand Sevens. Congratulations on the weekend uh, over in LA, mate, getting the job done. Over our arch rivals, Fiji, got one over them now. 15-14 wins, so congratulations, mate. All the best for two weeks' time, mate, at the World Cup. You got got the confidence now heading over there, so so go well, you old dog. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. There he is, Kurt Baker. But honestly, I started my career with uh, playing Kurt when he was playing for one or two. He's at Palmy Boys High. And I was like, who is this cheeky bugger that's playing for fullback for one or two? He had a mouth on him, old Kurt Baker. But just the ultimate computer. Ultimate. Chirpy as they come. But uh, good to see him still running around. He's been in that sevens makeup for a very long time. And he touched on it. Like, yeah. The, what you put your body through, Ooh, man. I remember I used to go back to my room after Titch. Titch was mad, man. Honestly, <laughs> mad. <Yeah. laughs> go back to go back to my room every day, without a doubt. At in the mount, would stay across the road from the spas there. Go back to my room, and you know how like start a preseason can be. You go do squats again, and you go to sit down yeah. on the toilet, and you're like, ah, ah, bang, bro. Honestly, every day I just couldn't even walk. Couldn't even get out of my room. And then the next day, got to go run 38 kilometres again and again and again. Oh, bro, it was so hard.
Oh, he's tough, oh, right? That's so good. And Kurt's still doing it, is he? You're right. He's still, and he's still, still got his it. mind in it. That is incredible. We are seven away from eight. They are glory. Vic, I remember Victor Vito, that kind of era of the Wellington Sevens when Victor came onto the scene and he just tore yeah. that, comp, that uh, tournament alive. It was an amazing era of Sevens players, and the guys are still doing it at the top. Awesome to see. After this, Izzy's Wizard of the Week. We've got some great texts here on double eight, double three to get to as well. Back soon. Or an Izzy Dougie. Izzy's Wizard of the Week. And in an extraordinary PGA Tour season, it is Rory McIlroy with his extraordinary talents that wins a third FedEx Cup title. Yes, the man has saved golf. He had proven that if you work hard enough on your craft and find your happy place, you can still make millions. Rory McIlroy capped off a remarkable year winning the FedEx Cup and a cool 29 million Kiwi dollars, making his total earnings for the year 42 million big ones. On a final day, it was golf's most consistent golfer who played probably his most consistent round of the year, carding a 66 to win by one shot and pip the world number one golfer, Scotty Scheffler. His year to date, three wins on the PGA. Masters second, PGA eighth, the US Open fifth, the Open third, very consistent at all the majors, but his biggest achievement, he saved golf. Or has he? Whoa, let's see and watch the story unfold. But Rory McIlroy, outstanding to date. There he is. Here's my wizard of the week. 42 million Kiwi dollars. Man, it ain't about the money for those big dogs, but he'd be pretty happy with that paycheck. Anyway, coming up, Tim Murphy is editor for the newsroom. I'm going to have a chat to him about the PR disaster. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. Good morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ, Tuesday the 30th of August, just after 8 o'clock, appreciate all the messages coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine, double eight, double three, if you've just missed our last hour, that's okay, we've got an app, SCN, and go to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, you can get all our podcasts, all our guests we've had, you can have a listen, you can listen to them any time of the day, that's okay, we had Sean Gregory on early. He wrote a, a cover piece for Time Magazine on Serena Williams and just really diving into her career and, and Naomi Osaka. They had that little moment. Well, she had a little something to say 
uh, in that article as well. But he came on our show earlier on this morning, and uh, we had a great conversation about the US Open. Serena Williams' last event, last time at the US Open competing, and uh, seeing how she can go. She's going to retire at the end of the year. And uh, she's a mother, and she's got a beautiful daughter, Olympia, and she wants to have another baby. So we appreciate her. 22 Grand Slams. And we also had Kurt Baker on. And Kurt's a champion as well. He talked about New Zealand Sevens. Great to have a chat to him. A few messages there on the Temper Bedpost text machine. We'll get to those shortly, but before then, I'm going to throw it to you, Kempi, to introduce our next guest. Yeah, look, a couple of days on from Argentina, uh, Argentina's stunning and historic victory over the All Blacks and Cross Shoes. And pairs that this weekend's test in Hamilton is still not yet sold out if you go by targeted social media marketing. The relationship between New Zealand rugby and the rugby, rugby public in New Zealand seems to be in a precarious position with a coaching saga and All Black sport performance compounded by seemingly deep frustration to the sports administration. So is that starting to affect Kiwi's relationships with our national team, do you think? Tim Murphy, co-editor of the newsroom, he's had a life in media and observed many public relations situations. Morena, Tim, how are you going? Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, not bad, mate. mate. Look, if you're putting together a scorecard for NZR since the start of the Irish series for everything public-facing, how would you rate them? Oh, they'd be running at about a 3 out of 10. Uh, <laughs> I think they've either moved too fast, uh, as they did with the, the um, after the second test when Mark Robinson came out and said we're reviewing this straight away, uh, to then, you know, moving too slow and leaving Ian Foster hanging over in South Africa and press conferences that didn't say anything, and then moving too fast again, saying, right, we're all behind him and it's all sweet. Um, so they're kind of sort of misjudging, I think, the messaging and the comms and, and the relating to the public, yeah. Man, uh, Mark Robinson has been pretty unsettled since he's taken over from Steve Chu, and, and there's been many moments where they've handled it extremely poorly. So for Mark Robinson and the board, do, do you feel like they're at risk? And do they, do they understand what's going on in the back room? Do they have a real inkling of, of how the public are, are handling this and reacting to all what's unfolding? They must do. Uh, you know, they're they're going to be out and about with the community and just get some raw feedback themselves. But the thing with this is it's not a democracy, is it? This, this is not politics where polls can sort of push you out um, as a board I mean you know they're, they're voted in by constituent bodies and they'll be pretty happy that they uh, don't have to be as reactive as for Robinson yeah I mean you know it's not a an easy run when the team your biggest asset is performing like it is but but some of that comes from the background you know set by the organization and by the executives and I think he's just misplayed several times, you know, uh, the kind of messaging that might have probably settled things for Foster, you know, earlier in this and then being able to act now, um, you know, more decisively. So what do we look after this game or after the Bledisloe? What are they left with uh, in taking action, you know? Hey, Tim, we went to a... Um, a Hui, where they said more transparency, you're going to hear more from us, um, but that doesn't seem the case. Where where do you think this problem towards the media stems from? Well, it's not new. You know, um, when I was at the Herald, I had quite a bit to do with our sports guys and the photogs who, who deal with 
know, all the sports. And they, I'd say, universally would rate you know, the All Blacks um, within New Zealand rugby as an organisation, not as individuals, but as kind of a management and the, the management of messaging uh, as the hardest to deal with. Um, and, you know, Wynne Gray, who worked for us for a long time there, used to call the media li- liaison people media prevention officers because uh, he was so frustrated always at being able to, you know, just do the job that they thought was needed. So it's not new. Um, and, you know, every sport, and, and you'd know, Tony, from your time, you know, every sport sets out to be open and trying to sort of uh, get the best press they can. But if things start to go sideways, um, often the first thing that goes sideways is sort of shutting down, closing down. And, and now we've got that situation where, you know, I think there's even a bit of condescension towards the public from some in the camp. Uh, I was pretty taken aback when Ian Foster, after that se- first loss, actually, to Ireland, came out and said, well, you know, now the New Zealand public are starting to realise how good a side Ireland is. But the New Zealand public have known for two or three years how bloody good Ireland are. We've been beaten by them mm. twice, and we've seen them. You know, mm. it's, it's kind of like... People don't know what we're dealing with here. Is the message we get? We think, well, actually, it's not that hard, you know. I can't. Yeah, so I can't really understand how um, it's still the same when they've had so much success and they've always had a, a closed door policy and behind the scenes. Like I've been a part of it and I've I've been in that environment. And when you're a player, you just you know you feel a little bit of mistrust. You mistrust of what's going to be printed and what's going to be said. So. For us, and now I'm on the other side and I can't stand it because I want access to the team and there's one thing that I notice on the text machine is every other team, win or lose, comes on and fronts the media and they're open door policy and they come on our show and they're open. But for me, I struggle to get in there and I struggle to chat to the players and chat to, to the manager. So it's getting very frustrating. So going forward, what, what, what do we need to see? What do we want to see from this All Blacks team, the management, the media, the liaisons that are in there, how do they need to fix this? Oh, I think, you know, you've got to, when you say we're going to be open and, and, and sort of be out there and so on, they've got to actually follow through on it. And even when it's awkward, and that's the time when you probably most need to be open and, and uh, you know, actually get people out there. And they need to probably reassure the players, like you've just said, that it's not, sort of people lying in wait, hoping to trip you up all the time, and especially actually not from the sports media. The sports media often have a much better feel for, you know, that the pressure's on sports people. Some of the general media who attend some of the press conferences and things probably are a bit, you know, harder and a bit more brutal, but the sports media like you guys and, and uh, you know, lots of the journos who follow the team, they're going to be aware of and be able to kind of understand if someone missteps or says something they probably shouldn't have, you know, um, they understand those pressures. So I think they've got to follow through on, on being open, but also they've got to kind of not talk down to the public and just expect because we're New Zealand Rugby and we're the All Blacks that people will follow and will pay for those tickets, um, Tony, as you've been talking about, you know, uh, that, that, that it's just not just going to happen as a matter of course. They've got to follow through and be open. Hey, Tim, just talking about the fans and the public perception, um, Twenty, I guess about 20 years ago before they bought out the Apple iPhone, do you think now when you're talking to the public, especially when you're talking to the fans, 
and you're taking, they've basically got their, their TV and their media in their hands here, that you can't be condescending to them anymore because they've got so much information at the touch of their fingers. So when you do share those messages with fans, that they actually know what they're talking about. Is that what, what you feel? Yeah, well, partly that, um, and partly that, you know, everybody actually has an ability to talk back. You know, it wasn't just the journos of, of 20 years ago. It's now everybody's got a, a way of, you know, putting a message out to their group who puts it out to a wider group and so on. So you've got to be careful on that. But it also, I mean, the social media side of it's given the All Blacks and every sports team vast, you know, opportunities to do good things and put their people out there and a bit more controlled even, you know, some of the fun stuff and some of the access stuff. So I guess they're using that. But, but even that, I think, suffers once you get into this cycle of, of trying to, you know, stop messaging getting out there and restricting and, and sort of feeling like you're under pressure and under attack, you go into yourself and even, I, I guess, I haven't been looking at the All Black Social, but I imagine that's a bit, a bit of a sort of a tentative approach at the moment as well. Yeah, it is. I, they put up a um, gym post yesterday, I went through the comments yesterday and there were some ruthless ones. I don't know why I go through comments, I told myself that many years ago. Never read the comments, but I went through it. She's getting pretty, pretty uneasy at the moment. But um, Tim, uh, what, what do you think's taken the most damage from what's unfolding in the All Blacks? Do you, do you think it's the, the brand, the All Blacks brand, the, per, the perception of New Zealand rugby? Is it grassroots level from, from what we're seeing at top? Is that stemming down? What do you think's taken the most damage from the situation? Yeah, I, I reckon it'll be New Zealand rugby rather than the All Blacks because people love to love the All Blacks, you know. And they'll forgive them, as we saw after one decent game uh, and one sort of average South African performance. You know, everyone was, not everyone, but a huge amount of people swung pretty quickly back into, OK, things are turning and looking good now and we love them all again, you know. Um, so I think it's more the rugby union and New Zealand rugby as an organisation and kind of management. It's difficult for them. They don't want the All Blacks to be a sort of an autonomous republic because it's such a big asset and their biggest kind of brand and everything. That if they let it get out of total out of their control, then it'll be its own thing, and the union will kind of lose some influence. So they, there's always been a tension between the union um, in, in communications terms and the All Blacks. I think as an organisation, they've, they've not wanted to let them be too independent and too much the sort of brand of their own. But I think, yeah, I think it's New Zealand rugby that, that has the longer term issue rather than the All Blacks as, as a brand and as a kind of a group because people love them and want to love them. Yeah. So question, how do you think Silver Lake's feeling? Silver Lake. <laughs> yeah, God, one of those bloody investments where you turn around and suddenly <laughs> the market turns on you um, and your assets <laughs> kind of underperforming and you lift the lid and it's all not quite so good. But again, I guess those guys have got to be longer term, don't they? That they're not going to want yeah. something next year or that they'd love the World Cup and that might still happen. But, you know, um, I, I imagine they had the longer term sort of sit the money there and see what happens. Mm. Hey, just one more question before we let you go to Mark Robinson's public persona. Does he need to be careful about getting too far offside with the punters? Or is, is he, you know, the CEO, he's the CEO and people just have to have to get on with it? Yeah, well, again, we're not sort of able to vote him off, are we? Uh, and, and that board and the chair came out at that press conference and sort of patted him on the back and said we support both Ian and Mark 100%. So... You know, and by all accounts, he's a smart guy, um, and you'd think that with the chance now to breathe, if given that they're not going to sack the coach this week or next, that for him there'd be some support around him as well, trying to say, okay, what do we do now, and how do we get 
the messaging and the image and the kind of control back. Um, so I imagine there'll be a lot of work going on in his quarter as well. Beautiful. Thank you for your time, Tim Murphy, editor of the Newsroom. We appreciate it, mate. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll hopefully right. get you on shortly. Appreciate it. There it is, Tim Murphy. Um, wow, pretty honest and on the money there and just the current situation that New Zealand rugby is feeling. You, you enjoy that one there, Louis? I did, I did. I think mm. Tim summed up a lot of the way the, the rugby public are feeling. Double eight, double three, let us know. Anything that we missed there? Oh, 800 the Kennard's higher phone line. I think the good thing about chatting to Tim there is he's a wee bit isolated from the sport. He looks at a lot of mm. media, politics, business, kind of coming in it from a different point of view, Kempi, which is really important because one thing I've not understood about New Zealand rugby's kind of insular mindset during this all about they kind of feel like they've been attacked and it's not really the public's right to criticise. Do they watch those politics press conferences and do they watch when leaders of the opposition get come after and again they are voted and they are elected so it's a little bit different but I don't think the media has been mean to New Zealand rugby at any stage. There hasn't been vitriol from the media's quarters. They were asking honest and fair questions about the team's performance about and around Ian Foster's performance and unfortunately New Zealand rugby's handling of it kept the petrol on the flame so I think Tim made some good points there about well they just needed to get on with it and it was their mixed messaging which actually made the issue if that makes sense Kempe. Yeah it does Louie and I think if you take a, a feather out of the cap of the uh, New Zealand cricket team they just come out and talk to you no matter what you know what I mean they, you, they go over to baseball they get towed up and yet we still can get players and, and coaches and everyone wants to talk to us about cricket um, and the point I was trying to make over over time, the public now deserve a higher um, level of, I guess, uh, smarts when it comes to the messaging coming back down to them. You know, they they are an intelligent bunch of people now. Fans, they've got a they've got an iPhone on them. They're fully informed about what's going on. They read world news before they they de- um, develop an opinion. And if you come out with something or the other thing, you go and lock yourself away in a cupboard, then that's the worst thing you can do, as Tim pointed out. The story starts out as something that's probably not even going to end up where it ends up because you're not actually messaging properly. And I, that's why I take my, my hat off to the to New Zealand cricketers. They are fantastic, no matter what, good or bad. Yeah. The, the way yeah. the wheels are turning, they'll front up and they'll front the media and they'll tell you exactly what's going on. And I think they can, you know, although they're our pinnacle, you know, the fabric for us, the All Blacks, uh, the cricketers, you can always learn something from someone else. I just one before I pass you, Izzy. One of the things that I would have liked to hear from the coaches this week is that they come out and they just basically own it and said, "Look, we got it wrong. We're going to work on that. And we're going to get it right in the next one." Now that would have just put everyone else to bed, to bed, because they admitted it. You know what I mean? But it's it's unusual territory for them to admit something like that. Mm, J- Jace Ryan he had a pretty um pretty honest uh, summation on the breakdown the other day and and just had a real honest chat and he he's actually come out in question maybe the preparation wrong individual preparation might, might wasn't quite there so he's he's asked a question he would have had some hard conversations this week uh, about that and I'm just trying to put myself I know we're gonna shoot off in a minute I'll, I'll put myself on the other side I've been in the environment the All Blacks and I've been that person that's telling Joe Locke nah I don't want to talk to them no 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 I don't want to talk to them so. I can I can understand it's probably more player driven from the players and I and now I'm on the other side I, I you know I'm like whoa you yeah. like the egg you know you probably started this you probably been a part of this the, the problem I, I think 
on the other side, uh, for myself, I don't know, I got ridiculed quite a lot of time in my career, and there was times where I felt let down and untrusted from what the media was saying, and, and you just, you're just a bit apprehensive. So I can, um, that's probably why um, some of them are like that at the moment, and, and that's somebody speaking from my experiences. That's what happened to me, um, but it's not great. When, I, when I'm seeing New Zealand cricket come on, after a win, a loss, a draw, whatever, and put their players up front, and, and without a you know, drop of the hat, they're there, mate. No matter what time it is. None of this is too early. They're there, and it's like, it makes me frustrated, you know, because... We had a champion, our champions. We want to we want to talk to them. We want to ask them, you know, what's been this week. We're not going to throw them right under the bus, but I think that's just what's in their mind at the moment, Louis. Unfortunately, there is a one percent of the media which does that, Izzy, and it does make people weary and it makes them nervous. And it is a real shame that there is a little bit of nasty media that does go around. But you hope that the players and the Jason Ryan's of the world recognise that on shows like this one and on ECNZ, there are um, for the you know for the most part, it's very open and honest conversations that we're just trying to most. have and, and just to just try to get to the bottom of it. And when I think back, when I try to reflect on your career, Izzy, I know what you're saying because of obviously a little bit of off stuff here and there and, and you beca- almost became a bit of a target as a young guy the party boy and I can kind of just as you were saying that I was trying to think back on the perception of you from the outside and I can kind of hearing you say that understand why then you would be weary at the moment I think it's player probably players looking at their own performance do you think and going mm. I know I'm not playing that good yeah. do I want to go out there and talk about it and be vulnerable yeah that's it that's it 100% they just they just a bit wary, and that's probably stemming to the game. Like, if someone asks a question, do you reckon they're holding back? Yeah, they definitely are because they don't know what someone's going to say about them. Oh, Rico should have passed that. He ran across the field, or, you know, he's hopeless bringing Roger Tuivas check, like things like that. And so they're second guessing. I've been in that situation, bro. Like, I've been out there, I'm like, mm. I want to have a go here, but I'll pass the ball because I don't want to deal if I get it wrong. Wow. You know? Yeah, that's what so I'm talking instincts. about. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was talking about. Is you know, you get that anxiety takes over, and then it's not just the fans, but the players start to go, yeah. "I'm not going to do that," you know, because I'm going to cop it. So I don't want to get on, in trouble. Let's get them yes, back I'll out. Pass the ball. Yeah, shovel it. Yeah, let's get them back <laughs> playing. Crazy. We need them playing football. Oh, interesting, boys. Great call it all there. A couple of messages on double eight, double three. We'll get to after this. We'll get to Paulie Mawadi a little bit later on. We'll also talk to Dan Smith, NZTR, finish off with a little bit of racing. But anything on New Zealand rugby and how you feel as a fan? If you haven't, if you live in Hamilton or the Waikato and you haven't bought a ticket for this weekend, why? Is it price? Is it disinterest? Are you just pissed off? Let us know. Come on, talk to us. We're your friends here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day, 24 minutes past eight. Listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. 29 minutes past 8 a.m. this morning. Kempe, what a day it is up north, mate. Bluebird up there and Bluebird down in the 03. Slim Tech steaming in on double eight, double three. I've got a fan this morning. That's nice. It's always good for the ego. Morgan says last week Louis said that Dragon Leap wasn't up to wait for Agent Oz. He ran a tremendous fourth. Louis also said the All Blacks could win their next 11 tests in a row. Our streak ended a few days later after one win. Louis, time for the paddock, son. Morgan. Oh, Morgan, thank you for the 30 cents or whatever it cost to text. Very, very good to hear from you. So good. I love it. Bit of banter. Bit of banter there from old Morgie boy. Yeah, I know, Morgie. I feel your pain, mate. You taught me how to imperatrice. 
I talked to you about imperatories. <laughs> you don't hang that on me. Don't hang that on me. I'll ca- happily take uh, Morgan's. Oh, actually, I hope you didn't have an each way bet, Morgan, because unfortunately, Dragon Leap didn't even run a place. Um, is a good text from Chase Kempe. As a Chiefs member at FMG Stadium, I'm wondering whether it's worth the money to watch an All Blacks team that doesn't seem to be on the same page. Well, yeah, look. Are they not on the same page, or after today speaking with Izzy and actually Izzy saying that you get as a player into these situations where you don't want to be so expressive, are they being held back? Are they being held back by the decisions that have been made off the field and indirectly affecting the way that they're playing? So, mate, I don't know. Me personally, I would I would unleash them. I'd like. I'd just like them to go out there and play footy because I just know they've got the skill to do that. Well, speaking of unleashing them, Izzy, uh, texter here says, two of us are shek, his footwork and the wider channels will get our backline moving. Also provide an offload. Dalton is just as physical as Kane, but is a lot better on attack. And then Charlie says, g'day boys, on the AB's team, I would shift Geordie Barrett to second five, bring Severis in, he scores tries for, for fun to the wing, will Jordan to fullback, keep the first half forward pack on the field for most of the match. So there's some reckons from people on the team. Yeah, yeah, there's probably going to be some changes this week. Though there has to be, really, um, if they're going to um, create a, a, a bit of edge in the environment and an ability not to get comfortable, they've got to make changes. Severis, fair shout, come in, love scoring tries, uh, a bit of energy, you know, inj- injects himself everywhere. He's busy, gets off his wing, can work around that nine area with, with Aaron Smith and co working in there. So... I think it's a fair shout. Whether Dalton gets a crack, look, I'd give him a crack. You know, I'd give him a crack and, and just see if he can go out there and make a difference. Whether he goes into seven, has a go, or Artie goes to seven and we bring in a number eight, um, you know, that, that, that's the difference here. Look, we've got to find something. And we've got to, got to try and build for combinations and, and see what our best full pack is. We need some. We need people there that can really disrupt the break, breakdown area. We need to slow them down there because at the moment they were dominating the breakdown and we got no pilfer, no jackals whatsoever. So we need someone in there to get in there and get some turnovers. Bang on. 28 away from nine. Uh, we'll talk to Paulie Whitey at tab.co.nz. We might have a look at some early odds for the All Blacks game after this. Uh, love Racing with Dan Smith from NZTR not far away as well. Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. You're listening to SCNZ. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building Six away from nine o'clock this morning it is day one of the US Open. Don't you forget, right? Serena Williams, her very last first round today at 11 a.m. New Zealand time. I know lots of you will be watching that. Uh, text pretty passionate earlier on from Jared. Can't stand Serena Williams. Petulant narcissist, spoiled brat. The best athlete of all time narrative is absurd. So she has got her detractors as well as her fans. People feel very passionately about her and have for a long time, especially after that Osaka situation at the US Open. But she's playing at 11 today, and it is her last tournament, and no matter what, she will go down as one of our greatest ever athletes, and you can't deny that. So I'll be watching. I bet Paulie Moati at tab.co.nz will be watching as well because people like having a bet on the US Open, don't they, Paulie? Yeah, they certainly do, Louis. 
Uh, and we've got a bonus back promotion on all men's and women's singles matches at oh. the US Open. Uh, so just place a pre-match head-to-head bet on any of those singles matches. And if your player loses in the deciding set, we'll refund your bet up to $50 as a bonus bet. Of course, the deciding set for the women would be the third set, and for the men, it's the fifth set. So just head to the TAB website to check out all the T's and C's. But I'm glad you mentioned Serena Williams uh, because she is a fairly warm favourite in her first-round match against the 27-year-old Montenegrin, Dunka Kovinic. Um, but we've seen some money come for the outsider Kovinic. Was $4 yesterday, now into $3.55. And I can understand why she's made the third round of both the Australian and French Opens uh, this year. In fact, on her way to that third round of the Australian Open, she beat Emma Raducanu, and she's also beaten the likes of Plushkova uh, and Ange Jabeur this season. So I can understand why punters are getting on Kovinic, now into $3.55. And if this is to be Serena Williams' last match at the US Open, you really want to be on the rich side of history and back in the outsider. Hey, Paulie, I've just got a question for you. I'm just uh, going to move from the, the tennis to the NRL. Head-to-head, yes. Penrith versus the Cowboys, which is a game of the round, one versus two. Penrith, $3.50? Yeah, well, uh, Nathan Cleary has said that he's going to be resting um, a whole heap of players. Um, and I guess off the back of that, even though they have performed very, very well without the likes of um, his young fella in the half and, um, oh, what's his, uh, who's the other boy in the halves there for the uh, Panthers? Luai. Luai, yeah. They have performed very, very well this season without both of those for um, a few games. I think the fact that they're resting uh, the bulk of their starters uh, is why you're seeing the Panthers at $3.50 to win that game. And I think they're about 10.5-point outsiders as well. Plus, the Cowboys would like to go into the playoffs off the back of a win after that loss uh, last weekend. Uh, but it hasn't turned the punters off. They're all over the Panthers at 3.50 and also the Panthers plus 10.5. Outstanding, Paulie. Uh, the All Blacks $1.25. Still very warm favourites. Argentina 4.20 for this weekend if you're looking at the rugby. Right, it is 22 away from 9. Download the TAB app today to go find all of those markets. I'll be having a play on the tennis, absolutely. Josh has got a good message he'll get to and hopefully Guido's as well. But after this, Dan Smith, New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing. The Grand Tour. What is it about? No, it's not just that knockoff Top Gear show when Jeremy and Jeremy Clarkson and Richard Hammond got booted from wherever they got booted from, the Grand Tour. It's also something else that New Zealand Thoroughbred Racing are going to announce and introduce just after this. You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. We are 16 away from 9 o'clock this morning. Uh, loveracing.nz is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. We know that they are racing's biggest fan. And now the Grand Tour Racing Festival is coming to you. Eat, drink, and get racy. Round up your crew and book now. Izzy, that sounds like a bit of you. Eat, drink, and get, oh, ra- get racy. I'm in. <laughs> Where we going? Round, we'll find out. Round up your crew and book now at the ground, the Grand Tour dot NZ. Okay, you've got Izzy's attention. Let's go to Dan Smith. He's the general manager of customer at NZTR. Morning, Dan. How are you doing? 
Morning, team. How are you? It sounds like we've sold our first ticket to the tour, which is great to hear, so I'll send that on. I'm in, bud. I'm in. What are we buying a ticket to, Dan? What are we buying a ticket to? But you've got us. It's, uh, I always do that. I was just about to say he's, he's bought it without knowing it, so that's some, some trust in that. But I know I'm I mean, good at that, mate. The thing, so I guess if we step back... You know, as a sport, we all love the racing game from a thoroughbred perspective. We know we have some great big days. We know across the regions we have some huge days with the West Coast and some of those smaller parts of our community. So we know that we've got a great sport. And I guess the the challenge that we all have faced for probably quite a while now is that we need to do more to share that story and to share those big days and to grow the sport. And I guess there was an opportunity off the back of the stake increases, so... TAB performed really well last year, and obviously that gave us the opportunity to inject seven million of stakes into our calendar for the current year. And I guess we we sort of saw it as an opportunity where, again, all the big sports. You look at the the golf with the majors, the, the tennis with the slams. You know, the footy seasons are coming into the final. I guess we've got some great big we've got some great big days in New Zealand racing with with great brands with with big iconic audiences. But what we don't probably do is we don't sell them to the mainstream audience as, I guess, you know, hey, this is where racing in New Zealand shine. Hey, it's a great day at the races. We know if you can put someone in front of a thoroughbred at the racetrack, it's a, it's a mesmerising experience. So I guess what we're saying is, hey, we've got 20 big days. We've worked with our major clubs, which has been great, and they've been, um, you know, really supportive in that. But with, with what we're trying to say is, how as a sport, you know, we've got Hastings coming in a couple of weeks. We always look forward to Tarzino. We then go to Christchurch. We then head ahead into the uh, Alizy period, which will look a bit different this year with Pookie. And then we sort of head into Wellington. We've got the Cup Carnival there. And then the three-year-old racing, which we all look forward to with the Oaks and the Derby. So coming together, and I guess in, perf- in a perfect world, in five years' time, we'd like to, for New Zealand... As a, as a sport for them, as we, as we think about the Melbourne Spring Carnival and thoroughbred racing there, we really want the Kiwi connection with racing to think about the Grand Tour. And I guess what, what's going to be really different with this marketing is that it is going to be very disruptive. It's not going to be what people think racing is. What we're trying to connect to is a new audience to get them on track and to be part of our sport. No, well, you just you found your poster, boy. Daggy, stand up. This is this is, is he tag <sighs> ridden all All over. I need from you, Dan Smith, is a nice wee, nice front row car park at uh, Rickerton there in Cup Week, and I'm your man, mate. I'm your DJ man. DJ Dag. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if my budget will extend to that, but let me work on that. <laughs> hey, um, Dad, it sounds like you're kind of taking the shame out of going to the races and on these big days and not seeing a horse, which is like I get it. I, you know, I love my racing, but I also understand that we need to grow the sport, and it's not necessarily always about the actual sport at a race day. There's, there's a going and having a dollar ticket each way on a horse, and you know, getting distracted and drinking some verve or whatever it is. It's fine, you know. Each to their own, but there's nothing that is for this grand tour that for the the racing. Like you're not adding points up horses that race throughout it. There's no actual um, difference to the racing, is there? That's what I'm kind of getting. No, and I, so when we were designing this, we're saying, hey, these days are there. I mean, you know, the third day at Christchurch Cup yeah. Week, it's a huge day. You know, I was there a few years ago, fifteen thousand people. Obviously, we've come off the back of COVID. You know, everyone wants to kind of stretch their legs and get into the events and get out there. So, I mean, the timing's good from our perspective with that. You know, the, the first two days at Hastings, 
we think there's potential to grow. But live them all day, again, is always a huge day. So it's not saying that we do have some of these days which punch well. What we're saying is that, hey, let's, let's all bring them up. Let's put an overarching promotion and campaign and festival around it. And let's actually have a go at trying to drive greater interest and a new audience. And I think there's a, there's a couple of really good data points. Um, like, so we know that there's about 90,000 Kiwis that will go to a racetrack you know, most months on average, but we also know there's 1.3 million Kiwis who love socialising, they love going out with their mates, they love events, you know, that whole modern gig sort of um, audience, that 25 to 35-year-old age group. So we know if we can sort of talk about racing differently, promote it as actually an event, you know, there's a whole lot of benefits. You know, we've got challenges around perception of racing, we've got challenges around welfare, we've got challenges across the board around, you know, our sport. But actually, if we can get new people on course, have a good time with your mates, experience a race day, which we all know that when you're there, it's, it's a great day if you're there with your friends. It doesn't need to be much more than a bit of music, a fun time, and, and a comfortable experience with your friends. So wow. if we can create that, and we're working with our, our clubs, you know, that's, that's for us going to make the difference. And as I say, in five, ten years' time, if people say, hey, the Grand Tour starts at Tarzino Day, are we getting there, guys? I guess that's the success metric. Oh, I love but again, it. with Melbourne, you know, the, the spring the spring carnival took a decade to build. You know, we think about spring now. We think about Mooney Valley coming on with Cops Plate, right through to Cup Day with Flemington. You know, that's almost naturally part of um, how we think about that. And I guess I, our our nirvana here is, you know, the Grand Tour becomes that for New Zealand racing. Oh, I'd, I'd love it, Dan. I appreciate the ambition and what you're trying to do. I'm thinking a little bit laterally. And Kempe, he looks 35, and he is your man for live him all day. Because just ask me, it'll be just ask me what song you want to play standing behind the DJ decks, won't it, Kempe? Oh, do you remember? <sighs> Early September, September. You know that song, brother. Let's get it on. <laughs> Let's get it on. You got Izzy in the car park. You got me going. Oh, on and on. You're the you're That's at the September. Yeah. And I'm gonna offer my services for Crosshitch Cup. Like, there you go, Dan. You got two absolute champions wrapped, ready to help out, mate. So <laughs> I guess I get one over. No we've already we've already nailed our um, promo music and themes and all that. We probably we probably forgot to think about you as the uh, the lead act, but maybe next year we can think about that. Oh. Wow! Wow! <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know the price doubles next year, Dan. Back in your That's place, it. SENZ breakfast. Give me breakfast. And I, and I, it would be remiss of me to act that it's great to have uh, SENZ as the the major partner for the event. So obviously, our relationship with with you guys, and um, obviously your growth in the New Zealand market, and, and being a partner kind of just sort of cements that relationship, which is great as well. Love it, Dan. Perfect. Appreciate it, so, mate. So look yeah. out. I mean, it'll be there's going to be a really strong digital and outdoor campaign. Like it should be. You hopefully you see it everywhere. Hopefully it drives interest. And as I say, hopefully it attracts that new audience that we can get more people on track and and grow the game. There you go. GM of customer now. NZTR. Izzy, I knew you'd love that. It's so far in your wheelhouse, isn't it? I'm excited now, like, because the sun's shining and Cup Week in Christchurch is the greatest week of, of events in, man, you know, I have to say, it is so good. And if you're out of town, come. You will not be disappointed. It is so good. Anyone got a pool house booking that week? Yeah. Hey, <laughs> why if you boys come down, why don't we take the show down there for the week? We will, mate. We'll be there. Yeah. Well, I'll be here, so <laughs> you know where I'll be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on down, lads. 
Love it. Sat at my house, we'll start here, then we'll whip over to Rickerton, we'll get a nice car park, and we'll just chip away during the day. And maybe we'll even do the good oil fill up there. What do you reckon? There you go. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Eight away love from it. nine. Uh, that's Dan Smith at NZT. I love racing.nz. Appreciate his time. Smithy, the doyen, up after this. Life's so full on. I've been working on this deck for ages. These steaks don't cook themselves, you know. Life's good with a Trex deck. Composite decking made from 95% recycled materials that won't rot, stain or fade. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.